Hello, and welcome to the Imperfect Athlete Podcast, my show about mistakes, how they happen, what they mean to people, and ultimately, how they change behavior to help people improve their performance. This week, I worked with a young athlete, and he came in late to one of the sessions, and he had a big, uh, sad face, and he looked at me and said, I'm sorry, I know I'm wrong. I just missed my alarm, slept through my alarm. I could see in his face that he was truly uh, upset with being late and, and he knew that he didn't execute his responsibilities properly. And he said, I guess I need to buy a new alarm clock. And I think that shows exactly what I mean with changing your behavior based on the mistakes you make. He was very aware that what he did was wrong and probably shouldn't have happened but at least before he even came to see me he already knew that he was going to change his behavior for the better today i want to talk about the question what happens if an athlete wants to be perfect i have a great guest here today and we're going to be talking about this question so without further ado let's get into today's episode I have a great guest today in this episode, um, Laura Parrott, owner and director of Wheelhouse Mental Performance Consulting. Laura works with a bunch of different athletes, youth and adults, and helps them really uh, understand and ultimately optimize their mental performance. But I think there's no better person to explain what she does than Laura herself. So welcome, Laura. Uh, How are you doing? And why didn't you tell me something about yourself? Hi, Yella. Thanks for having me here. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you, you nailed it on the head. I work with um, athletes and so in teams and individual athletes um, on their mental performance, you know, stuff like stress, motivation, um, all kinds of stuff that you probably talk about all the time on your podcast. Um what else can I say? I, uh, I'm working on a PhD right now. Um, and, uh, while I'm doing my business or like working with clients and athletes and everything. And so my PhD right now is focused mostly on coaching. So women in coaching and identity, uh, development and maintenance and, and that kind of thing. So it's got a really interesting, um, applying my knowledge of mental skills and mental performance to identity development and sport and coaching is super interesting to me. And, uh, yeah, that's my, uh, my sport was hockey mainly, but I have a lot of other sport interests. So right now I play beach volleyball and water polo. That's my newest sport. And I'm really like really loving water polo. It's really hard, but it's really, really fun. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, great that you're here. Now the podcast is about mistakes, which does mean that I always start with asking the sort of tricky question of, uh, what is a mistake that you can remember uh, really well and how did you uh, change your behavior after that particular mistake. It's always a little bit of a, a low ball to do that right at the start, <laughs> but that's what this is all about. So yeah, go ahead. Okay. Okay. I can think of one. Um, so 
since we're talking mistakes that like really impacted you or like changed you, um, I can think of one from when I was coaching water skiing. Uh, this would have been almost 10 years ago or 10 years, doesn't matter, about 10 years ago. And uh, so I was working at this water ski school up in Huntsville. And um, so that's coaching. It's mostly beginners, like resort goers. They go there and they want to learn how to water ski or wakeboard or um, any kind of water sport like that. Uh, So we teach them and we coach them if they already know. Um, So but then every little while we do a ski show where the whole resort and like other people in the community come and watch. And it was really exciting because I'd never done ski shows before. And like, um, and I got to climb to the top of the pyramid and that was really fun. Um, I really liked doing that. But then there was this one where, um, I was supposed to water ski during the performance and that's fine because I can water ski and I, I can do what needed to be done. But the problem is that the ski that I was to use was this new ski that was far too aggressive for my abilities. Like, or maybe it, it was maybe just like a little bit too aggressive for, for me at that time. The problem was like I could, when I got up on the ski, I could ski just fine. Uh, I, it, I had to get used to it still, but I could, I could use it, but getting up on the ski was much different. So the ski had like your feet were strapped in into these boots super tightly and more close together. Your feet were more close together than I was used to. Um, the like shape of the ski was really aggressive. So you always had to be on your edges instead of skiing flat So getting up on the ski was like way more difficult than what I was used to. So anyway, uh, I was fine with skiing in the show, but not on the ski. And the ski was the only option for me to use. And so my boss was saying, um, he's like, oh, okay, like you're going to ski in the show. And um, yep, you're just going to, you're going to use the ski. It's fine. And then I was like, I don't, I don't think that that's, I don't think I can do that. And then I was like immediately really nervous for some reason, like fear and panic set in. And then he just kept saying like, no, no, like you can, you can do it. We'll have you ski for the show. It'll be no problem. And I was thinking like, what do you mean it'll be no problem? I'm telling you, I I can't do this. I can't. And I was like, I can't get up. Like I'm trying to tell you, I I can't get up on this ski. It's not going to work. And then he just, for some reason, wasn't listening. Like he just, it didn't sink in. I don't know. And I was looking at my ski instructor partner and we had been going out after work and going water skiing, um, like most nights. And, uh, he was teaching me how to get up on this new aggressive ski. And he was sitting there equally as afraid, probably less afraid than me, but like, (laughs) Like really panicked looking because we're all like part of the show that everyone's going to be watching. And he knows I can't get up on this ski until after like a bunch of tries. And on a ski show, like you want to just like get up and do your thing. Like you're not, people aren't going to wait for 20 tries before you can get up and then start (laughs) like doing your stuff. Anyway, so then we're, we're standing there like super afraid and panicked. And then, and my boss wasn't listening and we're trying to say like, I don't, it's not going to work. 
anyway, and then I said, um, well, let's just give it a test run. And then he was like, okay. And then my ski instructor partner looked super relieved and we all just like hopped in the boat. I hopped in the water. We showed that I couldn't get up on the ski. (laughs) (laughs) And then like we scratched that part of the show. Anyway, um, so that has stuck with me. I don't, it's such a weird situation. Like you would think like it wouldn't be a problem. You would just say like, no, it's not going to work. And then, but I don't, he just wasn't listening. And he was at that time, I didn't have a lot of experience with like standing up to coaches or standing up to authority figures and just being like, no, like this, we cannot do this. Like I'm stepping in here and saying, this is the way it needs to be anyway. And it was just, it was such a a lesson on being heard and knowing like that what you have to say has value because it was like the alternative would have been everything falls apart, utter humiliation. Like (laughs) your boss is like super disappointed but it would also be like, I told you so. But anyway, so it was just a big lesson for me in assertion and and just being heard. And, and anyway, so it was a it was I guess the mistake was was not just being secure enough to say, like, absolutely not. We're not even talking about it anymore. Like, let's just, mm. you know, like 20, 25 minutes past of us t- discussing this. And then we could have been preparing for the show in other ways. So. Yeah. Does that make sense? Does that that, that makes like, perfect yeah. sense. I, I I think that's an amazing story. And I really like how <laughs> the mistake in the end wasn't, you know, you going into the show and actually going probably literally flat on your face. Oh, my God. But yeah. the mistake is, you know, it doesn't have to be a big mistake. It's mm-hmm. just it was a small one and you found a way around it in the end. But still, you realized, ooh. I can never get myself into a similar situation anymore. Exactly. Exactly. Like the, the stakes of it were so high. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, I cringe thinking about what would have happened. Cause there's like, there's an announcer who's announcing and be like, and here's Laura coming along. (laughs) And then, you know, I would supposed to be just like pulled up on the ski and going around and waving and like, hi everybody, here I am water skiing. And (laughs) That would have it just be like, oh no, and Laura's having some trouble. You know, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I really like that story. I th- and I think, like you said, it's the, you mentioned sort of like, I don't necessarily know why this is a mistake that uh, yeah. stuck with me, but it did. And I think yeah. those are the mistakes are maybe it stuck with you because you changed your behavior so much oh after gosh. that. Yes. The mistake itself wasn't very big, but yeah. what happened after was very big. I really love that story. So let's move on to the topic that I want to talk about today. And I especially wanted to talk about this with you on the podcast because we have already had a lot of good conversations about this mm-hmm. and, and it's something that yeah. we are both very passionate about. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, I think that you uh, you know a bit more about this than, than I do. So I'm really excited also uh, for me to learn some new things. And I know that when we talk about, you know, people who want to be perfect, I, I sometimes call myself that a little bit. I want all the, the little details when I, for instance, when I'm coaching or working with a client, I, I want everything to be right. And I want to, to go for the best and, and stuff like that. So even I sometimes have a tendency to say, 
I'm a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. But I know deep down that when I say that, I actually kind of, I'm I'm not really being truthful because that's not really what a perfectionist is. Mm -hmm. I think that's what I think would be really interesting to talk about today. Mm -hmm. What what is a perfectionist really? So let's just start there. Let's just start with that open question. If I ask you, what is a perfectionist? What, what, how would you describe that? Perfectionism, I would describe it as like a, a quality or trait. Um, it's not an identity. You are not perfectionism. You are you. Um, a person with lots of qualities um, and you can manage all of these qualities, including perfectionism. So anyway, back to what it actually is. Um, it's this focus on doing everything perfectly as it sounds you know perfectionism doing everything perfectly um but you it's this intense focus on other people you know pleasing other people making sure you're completing things for other people um but it's uh yeah it's you have to do everything right you're hyper focused on this and it's it's totally different from being a high achiever um and i i know we're going to talk about that a lot today um yeah i i'm sure i'm missing a couple things there maybe you jump in and i'll add to it i I think that's that's really um first of all that that's really a good explanation i would first what i would add i think is that it's it's also it can be a, a very unhealthy pursuit oh, yeah. of goals yes, of course it's, it's the need to uh, uh perfectionistic people need to reach goals and they're often impossible goals but what yes. i find really interesting about this and you mentioned this almost straight away when we were talking about you know uh characters it's not an identity so you're saying perfectionism is a character trait is that correct I would say so. Like you're a person with perfectionistic tendencies, like, and I'd say there's, it's more of like a spectrum kind of thing. Like I have perfectionistic tendencies and I'm working on them all the time. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm more managing them. Um, so they don't really affect my life so much, but perfectionism can have an, a huge impact on your life. And it's highly destructive if you have, um, you know, if, if you're not managing it and you don't kind of, the first thing, a lot of people don't realize that that's a destructive way to be going about life, you know, and for athletes, it's a destructive way to be going about sport because a lot of people think like, well, working hard, like that's, you know, and doing the best, isn't that what you want? Like, that's what people strive for. That's what they tell you in school. Like you got to, you want to work to achieve, you want to develop, you want to move up, you want to whatever, but perfectionism does not get you there. It, you know, um, striving for only perfect and only, you know, uh, the best score, the top marks, the best daughter, the best girlfriend, the best, whatever, it's not healthy and it's not realistic and perfectionism is, um, it's all about setting unrealistically high standards and ex- expectations for yourself and also other people or more so one or the other. Hmm. But that, I find that really interesting because I know from my background as, as a coach as well, and I know you're a coach as well, in, these, in, in the environment, I often sort of 
here perfect or or striving to be perfect Mm -hmm. as like the ultimate goal. That's when you do that, that's when you've made it. That's when as an athlete, you're going to be there. You're almost saying, what I hear is that you're actually saying, it's like, that might actually be true. It might actually be destructive. So, so how is it that there's such a weird disparency between the two? Well, first of all, you bring up a really good point is that like our society and in all institutions, basically are, they sensationalize and glamorize being perfect or being the best. Like if you are fourth in the Olympics, it's like, (laughs) who cares about you? Like, Mm, you know, like, like, and even like bronze, you know, people are not like, whoa, bronze medal. Or like some people are, I mean, I would be, but (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like at the Olympics, it's like gold medal. You Mm, know, that is, sorry, I'm like yelling into the, that's okay. (laughs) Like, you know, that people care about that the best, you know, like they, um, when you're after a game, they'll ask like who won or they'll ask you like, um, how did you do? Which means like, where did you place, you know, not, so everything's about the outcome. Um, who's in, in magazines, it's like, who's the hottest, who has the best style this year? Who's the, you know, it's not like, who put in the most effort for this and got halfway through, but still that's great because they, you yeah. know, met their personal development goals. Like it's all, it's all about being first and, mm-hmm. and that's what people talk about. And those messages are sent to young athletes and, and adults and everybody. So it's sort of ingrained in your, in your mind that that's what you need to strive for. And it's, um, it's not, it's not how um how you're actually going to be number one sorry i strayed there what was your question Um, so i my question is basically on one hand and i i completely agree and i understand we're saying just always needing to strive for perfection and for you know impossible goals and and stuff like that is is not something we want Mm -hmm. we think that that's not good for us Mm -hmm. on the other hand like as a coach, for instance, I want my athletes to be the best they can be. Right. I want them right, to strive right. for their highest goal. So my, I guess my question is a little bit, what is the difference between the two? When does trying to be as, as good as you can be turn into now I'm just striving for impossible goals and if I don't reach them, I, I lose my sense of self or I lose my confidence? So. Mm-hmm. I guess that's where it becomes tricky for me. It's like, yeah, but I push people every day yeah. in my work and in and coaching. Yeah. Should I not be doing that? Right. Right. Yeah. Great question. Because that I think is, that's what people, that's what gets them the trap kind of like into perfections. And that's what keeps them doing it because they think like, well, I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to, my coach wants me to do the best I can. But actually, the difference between high achievers and uh, people with high levels of perfectionism, like it, it's unhealthy. So it's an un, it's the mindset of uh, an, a high achiever versus the mindset of uh, perfectionism. So meaning and significance placed on winning or losing, succeeding or not, completing or not completing. This is the difference. So you're placing a higher meaning for what it means for you as a person if you win or lose. 
So if you win as a person, your self-worth, you view that as being like, wow, okay, yes, this is evidence that I'm okay and I'm good and I'm doing what I should be doing. I'm allowed to be here. Yeah, I'm allowed Mm. to be here. I'm allowed to exist in this space. I'm allowed to lend my voice to this topic. I'm, you know, I should be heard. Whereas if you lose, um, perfectionism would have you feeling utter, you know, uh, disappointment, just feeling, uh, I know there's a there's a D word that's uh, devastated. You're feeling, oh, there, you go. <laughs> there we go. You're feeling, you know, utter devastation. Um, and high achievers or striving for excellence involves giving it all you've got, leaving it there and assuming it was good enough. Okay. Um, you're being secure with the work that you did and someone else's judgment of it won't change that feeling. Cause you know, like, yeah, I worked hard. I, I know that I did. And if you got silver, you still know like, yeah, I, but I worked hard and, and that person, yeah, they did beat me and they did mm. have a better performance today. But, uh, perfectionism would have you feeling like, you didn't get gold, so you're nothing. You know, like they beat you because they are significantly better than you. Or, you know, um, another part of perfectionism is just totally undervaluing yourself. You mm-hmm. know, like um, an over or a high achiever knows their value. They know, like, I'm even if I lose, I still am worthy of being here. I'm still. I still deserve good things. I'm still a good person. Whereas perfectionism would have you just, you know, nothing like an empty shell kind of unless you win. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a super, super destructive way to view things. And it, it affects tons of areas of your life. Mm. Like it's, I find it very interesting, um, from a society standpoint, but also like a, individual moving through the world, just how, um, destructive it can be. Yeah. Yeah. So am I fair to summarize this? And this is obviously very short as a higher achiever wants to do well and a perfectionist needs to do well. Yeah. That's a great way to describe it. Um, there, there's more joy in the pursuit as well for a high achiever Mm, like that that's a very good point yeah like that's that's another um like you'll see with athletes especially um in our field like you'll you'll notice the difference like they're uh, an over or i don't want to say over but i keep it keeps like coming to mind for some reason high achiever you can see that they enjoy their sport they enjoy Mm -hmm. the practice but someone with high perfectionistic tendencies, they are viewing it as like the the like turmoil that has to happen before my fate is decided, mm. before I know where I place and therefore know who I am as a person. You know, like yeah. if I got fourth, then I know that I'm fourth best. Okay, so I'm a fourth best person. And if I get first, I know I'm the best person, (laughs) you know, like, but if you're a high achiever, 
that's not how you view it. You're viewing it as like, cool, I get to go to practice today and I'm going to try this new thing that I've been working on. And yeah, like I, I messed up a few times, but that's why I'm going to like work on it hard today, you know, and, and, or like if you, if your coach is angry with you, you don't view it as because you're terrible, Mm -hmm. you know, as a person and as a human, like people with perfectionism would have you, um, People with perfectionistic tendencies would would feel like um, oh well I'm straying off there and I forgot where I was saying <laughs> that's perfectly fine what <laughs> what I was thinking about uh, while you were saying there um, so let's say let's take a situation where uh, one of one of the listeners walks into a sporting environment mm-hmm. and they see a bunch of athletes competing. What are some ways? How can we tell apart people that are high achievers and people that are are uh, have per, uh, perfectionistic traits? How can we can we tell that from the way they they compete, or is that something that we would need to know the person more in in detail? Um, I would say, like, uh, depending on the sport, it can be more obvious. Um, something like. Uh, well, basically at the end of like a track meet or, or like a track race Mm -hmm. or swimming, you can see the expressions on their faces, right? So if someone, if you can tell what someone looks like when they are utterly devastated, then (laughs) like, then that's how you could tell. Um, but there's more subtle ways that you wouldn't be able to distinguish who is mm. a high achiever and who um, struggles with perfectionism. Like, like you wouldn't be able to tell during a race that a swimmer has given up halfway through. You wouldn't be able to tell that. But at the end of the race, if someone who had been giving it all they've got and they noticed that they were like, point zero zero one off of another swimmer and they lost then it would you kind of notice that you you might notice there Hmm. or like if someone in tennis makes a mistake and doesn't get a shot um you can kind of notice you can notice spiraling a bit like you could you could be able to see someone who's like doing fine doing fine doing fine misses a shot and then is like totally a big reaction it's sort or of like he or she breaks. Yeah. Is like, that? yeah, you can see that, that change in their face, that change in their like confidence. All of a sudden they're doing sort of like nervous things that they don't normally do. Um, and then they just kind of miss shot after shot after that. And, and it's like a total, it's kind of like a choking scenario, mm. you know? And, yeah. and, and you can just see after each shot they're reacting, you know. So whereas whereas someone who doesn't struggle with perfectionism, they wouldn't be reacting that way every after every missed shot, you know. Like they'd just be sort of like refocusing. Like that's that's more the goal there. So yeah, you can you can kind of tell in some ways, but mostly unless you're inside the athlete's head, that's really the only way. But yeah. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of us would uh, would want to have that opportunity yeah. to be inside the head of certain athletes once oh, in yeah. a while and, cool. and know what they're thinking when they go through certain situations. Yeah. I was just really curious to see if yeah. people after listening to this could 
go out into sporting environments and, and sort of like start testing their ability to yeah. pinpoint it out a little bit. Well, for sure, like, like I'd say tennis would be a good one to watch. Um, also golf too. Like, uh, I know that there's a really famous choking video in golf that even as I'm thinking about it, I'm just like, oh God. I, I think I know this, which one you're talking about. This guy I know like, this story. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like laughing at it, but... It's, it's pretty bad. It's so... I'm only laughing because it's so cringe. Like, it's just making me cringe and I laugh when I cringe. Anyway, um, this poor guy just like, shoot, he's taking all these shots and it goes in the water. It goes in the lake into the bushes <laughs> it's just choke after choke okay now i now i'm sounding like a big jerk but um <laughs> anyway um yeah i was going somewhere with that too but now i straight off oh wait okay i did have a question for you um volleyball what yes. yeah like what's a you you have a, a big in with volleyball lots of knowledge there um coaching and playing i would think that that would be a really interesting um like arena for perfectionism to really take flight yeah and, and and especially when i combine it with what you're talking about i can definitely recognize some of this in myself and in a lot of the athletes i coach i think what is what makes uh volleyball a very tricky uh, sport for this is that in order especially when you get to a certain level in order to make points you need to take certain risks. Mm -hmm. And I think where the high achievers uh, really thrive in volleyball is their ability to make a mistake, mm -hmm. to go for the risk, miss the shot, mm -hmm. and say, oh, well, I missed the shot. Yeah, I'm going to try it again. Mm -hmm. And I think where the perfectionistic trades in volleyball really come in is there's, there's almost 50 points in a match. You're going to make some mistakes. Mm -hmm. But when... That mistake is like, I've now made a mistake. I'm a terrible volleyball player. Mm -hmm. And I can see that in, in the faces and the reaction of, of different athletes. Uh, I have athletes that will get blocked, which still in volleyball, I don't agree with it. It's, it's a big thing. Mm -hmm. It's not great as a hitter when you get blocked. Mm -hmm. And they sort of, they, li they literally stand, they look at the block and they shrug. Yeah. And they say, oh, well. Yeah. Great block. Yeah. And then the next point, they just hit it, you know, outside of the block and they scored a point. Yeah. But there's also players that, for them, getting blocked is is an insult to their personality. It's an yes. insult to who they are. Yeah. And, and those players then start doing a bunch of other things rather than the shot that they got blocked on once and scored four times before they got blocked once, mm -hmm. which if every player on my team does that, I can guarantee that I'm going to win every single set I play. Yeah. Um, but just the fact just that that moment of getting blocked hurts them personally, mm -hmm. not just in that play. It doesn't hurt them as in we lost the point. Mm -hmm. It hurts them personally. And it's, it's, they feel like maybe their teammates think that they can, they, they're not good enough or something like that. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about like the, the reaction after certain plays, I think mm -hmm. that, the, uh, in terms of blocking, when, mm -hmm. when players get blocked is where you can really see whether they're high achievers or whether they have uh, perfectionistic traits. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's a, that's a great thing. So moving forward a little bit, I think we've been talking a lot about what is perfectionism? Mm -hmm. what, what does it look like? Mm -hmm. um, how do uh, 
how do what's the difference between high achievers and 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 you know people with perfectionistic traits? What I'm really interested about, you mentioned at the beginning, like there's so many things mm-hmm. about perfectionism. Like, what is it about pe- perfectionism that really interests you? Oh yes, you're right. So many things. So many things. Um, okay, I'd say. Probably what interests me most about perfectionism is the need to complete at all costs. Mm -hmm. So, like, for example, if you're a professional and your boss has given you a task and you agree to complete this task by the end of the week, you'll be completing this task by the end of the week without fail. And if partway through the week you realize that the demands of the task exceed the work time available... You'll sabotage your own well-being and stay too late, miss eating, downtime, exercising. Like, you're going to throw all of that aside to complete it no matter what. And some might think, like, this sounds like normal if you have a huge deadline and you know how much it means to the company to help out in this way. Of course, you would have to stay late, work extra hours to get it done. But... Uh, this is different. So imagine the task given to you is a side task and that it doesn't contribute to a major deadline and it will not make a difference to your company's success for the week. Something like alphabetizing thousands of archived client data that hasn't been looked at for five years, just in case someone may want to find something more easily in the future. Because you made a commitment to your boss You prioritize this task over wellness activities leading to an imbalance between work and life. So this means you sacrifice time with family, like I said. You sacrifice filling your life with joy, exercising, feeling good, cooking good foods, getting outside, playing with your dog, all for what? An unimportant and time-consuming work task? Like, it also means that your other duties are pushed aside, you've got an important deadline coming up, and you're sacrificing work time and mental energy you could be putting towards that project. And not only are your joyful home times being sacrificed, but your duties and chores are pushed aside too. So this either leads to putting the extra work on the others in your family, which may strain the relationships, or you're just not doing them at all, which could easily add to your stress, knowing just how much extra you have to do. And in the end, what happens? Like you become overstressed, anxious, resentful of your work and your boss, unhappy at work and home, and you've got a buildup of all this other responsibilities you still need to get to and address. And so the need to complete at all costs is a big part of perfectionism and is so, so destructive. Mm, that's, that's really interesting. And, you know, just, you use the example of a, a workplace uh, assignment, I, but I see the exact same thing with athletes. Yeah. Where athletes are unable to stop a drill until they've successfully done uh, the drill. So in, mm-hmm. in, a small envi- in a small sort of like um, uh, circumstances can mean I, I know a lot of athletes that when we're uh, warm up hitting, so just to warm up, they cannot stop warm-up hitting on a bad hit. Mm. They are unable, like mm-hmm. literally unable, to stop the drill if their last shot, the last hit they had, wasn't good. Right. Right? So they, they need to complete. Yeah. They need to think the last one was good, so I'm done. Yeah. And in a bigger wave, if, if you have things where, 
you know, I know athletes that are like, we need, you need to run a certain distance in a certain amount of time, or you need to do a certain action successfully X amount of times in a row. They cannot stop mm-hmm. before they've gotten, even when, you know, when you've run 20, 100 meter sprints, your body is done. Mm-hmm. No matter whether you reached your target or not, <laughs> yeah, good like point. You, yeah. you're done. Yeah. There's nothing you can do anymore. Yeah. You're not going to go faster and you're actually not helping yourself at all yeah. by doing it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I know many athletes that just cannot stop a drill like that until they have reached that one particular uh, goal that they set out to think. And I think that's sort of the athletic representation of what you yeah. were just talking about. They're going to uh, go over the limits of their body and their minds just because they have this often arbitrary uh goal that they totally set arbitrary. at yeah, some, yeah, at some yeah. point i need to hit so many balls into this position sure yeah. like it's completely arbitrary and they cannot stop until they've done it yeah and i think that's something for um for for coaches and, and people who, who who are managers or in, in any way supervise mm-hmm. workers that is th- these kinds of behaviors is something to really look out for for sure when people are so obsessed with finishing a task just for the sole purpose of finishing the tasks and not for the outcome. Right. Because if we talk about the sprinter that does 20, uh, 100 meter sprints, yeah, his body is going to react exactly the same whether those sprints were in 12.1 seconds or in 12.2 seconds. Mm-hmm. Like the training, the physical training has been done. Mm-hmm. But because that person said, I'm going to do it in 12.1, they're going to keep going. Yeah. And it doesn't give them anything anymore. Yeah. It doesn't help them do do anything. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. um, And uh, it's a great example of what you're talking about. It also highlights that uh, uh, perfectionism would have you devalue um little accomplishments that you do throughout the day so like that athlete they probably had a really good practice you know or even Mm -hmm. if they like didn't have a great practice they still did good things during the practice but people with perfectionistic tendencies they won't see that and they won't acknowledge that so having to leave on a good note that says to them they're looking for evidence of like okay now I can go about my day because the last thing I did was evidence that I'm a good volleyball player or I can do this and instead of being secure enough to know that they put everything into the practice and they had all these other good hits and all these other Mm -hmm. good passes and plays and whatever uh you know they but they're focused on this one thing that they've placed a lot of meaning on and as you said arbitrarily like yeah why is the last thing you did in practice an example of who you are as a volleyball player like it exactly. doesn't make any sense you know so they don't they don't value all their little accomplishments in the same way that a high achiever does yeah so you know talking about this i think we, I hope that whoever is listening really gets a better understanding and, and takes a good look at themselves and asks what of my uh, goal tendencies. So what of my behaviors to try and achieve goals is, is based on a high achiever and what part is based on those perfect perfectionistic traits and really ask yourself, you know, 
I am trying to reach my goals, but am I really trying to reach the goals because I want to reach the goals and I want to improve throughout and I want to, you know, enjoy the process and and feel very fulfilled when I get there? Or am I just trying to reach the goals because I cannot stand not reaching them? Mm. So keeping that in mind, Laura, Mm. what are some things that people who have maybe realized, hey, I'm actually trying to reach this goal just because I feel like I need to. That's mm-hmm. that's like part of me is that I can do this or I reach this goal. What are people um, that that have those kinds of insights? What can they do to help themselves deal with these situations and maybe be able to deal with their perfectionistic trades a little bit better? Uh, yeah, good question. Um, I'd say broadly. Um, a way to describe what to do would be shifting the focus from other people to yourself and more specifically shift the focus from letting people down or impressing people or showing that you're a valued member of society. You know, if you, if you are the top earner in your company or Mm -hmm. uh, the top athlete in your school, then that you've placed meaning on that. So shifting that focus back to you and just doing what's best for you. So that involves like setting boundaries, um, knowing what conditions you'll be more most productive and setting that up for yourself. Um, looking for looking for those little accomplishments along the way, drawing your attention to what are your strengths like. Uh, so for swimming, you probably did a few good turns in there. You probably um, had a smooth dive at some point. Uh, you, you know, so what are the good things that you did? And draw your attention. Start there with those kind of, um, you know, little things about what you value or like shifting the focus from the outcome to the process mm-hmm. for one. Um, and then look forward to certain parts of practice and focus on what you can learn. And at the end of practice or at the end of games, think instead of, oh, I placed here or there. Think about, okay, what did I learn during this time? Okay, how did I, how did I develop? And then really make yourself think about it because a lot of times um, perfectionism would have you just answer and be like, nothing. I didn't learn anything. I'm not yeah. good. Like, you know. The, the easy but, answer. Yeah. and But really make yourself because you probably had millions of strengths in there and you probably have tons of little accomplishments and force yourself to give value to those accomplishments. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and write them down. And just start there because there's a lot, lot of other things you can do too. But most importantly, start with valuing the stuff that you're doing. And then you can kind of move on to like, okay, what values do I have? Or like what awesome characteristics do I have? What traits as a person? And then write all of those down and make sure you're recognizing them throughout the day. Um, other things you can do would be uh, catching yourself. First of all, the most important thing is to recognize when you're having these thoughts mm-hmm. and what the thoughts are, how they come about, what triggers these thoughts. And then um, different kind of cognitive thought related um, skills you can use. So contradicting these these thoughts, for example, like... Mm-hmm. 
wow, I'm the worst. I got fourth at the Olympics. Oh, what a failure. My hometown is think, was thinking I would get gold. I can't believe it. I let everyone down. So that thought, first of all, think about, okay, what truth is there to that thought? Mm-hmm. Okay, write down all the things that are true about that thought. And then write, all, write down all the things that are not true about that thought, that refute it. And it's a really good exercise because a lot of the time there is some truth to whatever it is you're thinking. So you're identifying that and you're, you're kind of in writing it down, you're saying like, yeah, I see it. I see you. Like, that's true. I did get fourth at the Olympics. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is true. And also the people in my hometown did think I was going to get gold. That's also true. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but this person has attached all these other extra meanings to it. Like, wow, I let them down Mm -hmm. so much. I can't believe I did this and you know, all that stuff. So what's the refuting evidence? Okay. These people have supported me my whole life. They know me as a person. They really want me to be happy. Um, I'm actually a great athlete. Like here's all the hard work I do, blah, blah, blah. So, and like, those are just a few things, but, um, there's so many other skills that can be applied, but start with that stuff. So you would advise people to also write these things down. So also the things that what you mentioned in in the beginning of, uh, what what you did right, like what your successes were during progress. Okay. Yeah. That's really interesting. I think, um, in general, I know that I talk a lot about mistakes and what they can do for you, but there's a a lot of value as well and just writing down what you did well and mm-hmm. and that helps just with the whole process of uh of reflecting on these on on situations and becoming mm-hmm. the best you can be which in the end is what hopefully everyone wants to for sure um yeah. we are we are running out of time i okay. thank you very much for for coming on the podcast and talking to me about this amazing uh topic i know i'm very passionate Thanks about it I know you are probably even more passionate about it than I am. Um, for people who are listening, I hope you got to understand a little bit what the difference is between a high achiever and somebody with perfectionistic traits. Um, one thing that I want to say before uh, I end this episode is please don't feel bad if you recognize that you have some of these perfectionistic <laughs> traits. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> well, we, we, great, yeah. great, great minds think alike, totally. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, we mentioned in the beginning that it's it's a character trait. Yeah. And, you know, in some way, character traits are part of you. They shape who you are, what you do, and, and how you interact with the environment around you. So if you have some kind of perfectionistic trait, that's also part of you. And you can and are allowed to embrace it. Mm-hmm. What we are trying to um, convey is that we... Some character traits might not be as effective as you thought they were. Mm -hmm. And for those character traits, we need to find different ways to deal with them. And in your process of learning how to deal with your perfectionistic traits, make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Identify when you made a mistake and change your behavior to become better at the end. Mm -hmm. That's in the end what I keep repeating is if you are able to allow yourself to make mistakes and then change what you do because of those mistakes and therefore do better the next time you are always on a path to becoming better at what you do 
So everyone, thank you very much for listening. Laura, thank you very much for being here. Thanks for having me. It's just fun. And I will hopefully see everyone in the next episode.